What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special guest James Grage on the line. Super excited to be talking to him about resistance band training and his nutrition. So without further ado, how are you, James? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? I am doing great. Glad to have you on here, man. Before we started recording, I had mentioned that I'd pretty much just uh, learned of your content and kind of your approach to fitness and nutrition. But give me and and the listeners a little little background on you and kind of what brought you into the the nutrition space, the health space, and kind of what brought you here while we're talking now. Cool, man. That's a long story. You sure you got time for that? I got time, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it goes it goes way back. I've been in the industry a long time. Uh, you know, over 20 years in the fitness industry, I uh, always had a love for for training. It was kind of one of those things that first time I ever stepped foot in a gym, it was like moth to a flame. And, uh, you know, grew up as one of these kids that just didn't have a lot of discipline or structure. And so that's where I learned all those, let's call them success skills of being, you know, creating a plan for yourself, being disciplined, being consistent, working hard. Uh, and it was the first place in my life where I ever saw consistent you know, change where I felt like I had control of my destiny. And so that's, that was what really drew me to it. So I always loved it. always loved training. Uh, early on, I got into bodybuilding and it wasn't so much I like, I really didn't care about competing, but I liked the idea of setting goals for myself and, you know, having something that, you know, that was my motivation to push myself and challenge myself. And uh, pretty much the only break I've ever taken ever since then was a a brief hiatus that I, I took when I uh, spent some time in the hospital. I got into a real bad car accident and uh, broke myself into a million pieces. So mm -hmm. there was that process of, you know, recovering, coming back from that. You know, I had a lot of, uh, you know, implants in my hips and rods in my femurs, and plates in my arms. And so after that road to recovery, I took on this job. I was doing sales and a good friend of mine, he was actually one of my accounts. He was kind of related to the, the health industry. He was in, uh, natural foods is a, it's a brand that you can still find today. It's called Lumberg Family Farms. They make organic rice products. And so every year they would go down to Natural Products Expo West down in Anaheim, California. He said, you know, why don't you come down? Why don't you check it out? You love health and fitness. You hate what you're doing right now. So why don't you go work for one of these supplement companies? So that's exactly what I did. I, you know, got all dressed up. I was kind of just barely starting to really recover. I was starting to look like a normal person again, because before that, I uh, just had, you know, a real bad limp. I was, you know, a guy who went from 185 pounds down to 139 after sitting in the hospital that long, really just had withered away. So kind of looked like a normal guy again, looked like someone who could pass for being in the fitness industry. So I went down there and I basically talked to every single company that set up a booth there. I was that annoying guy that, you know, they're in there trying to conduct business and here I'm asking for a job. But long story short, I walked away with a job and that was the beginning of it for me. And that was 1999. Uh, so started in the sports supplement space. And from there, it kind of expanded, went in different directions. Uh, I ended up working with Weeder Publications. So it was uh, Flex Magazine, Muscle and Fitness Magazine, Men's Fitness Magazine. And they also owned the Olympia. So then I worked on the Olympia Expo as well. So exposed to all that. Uh, so I've kind of seen the industry from all different sides. And uh, so ultimately ended up uh, starting a sports supplement company. 
did that for over a decade, built one of the biggest sports nutrition companies uh, or helped, uh, you know, really it's, it's all about your team and everyone around you. But we were able to build a very, very successful business there. And then it was just, you know, it's time kind of for a new challenge. And that's when I, I knew that for me being the like true success for me would be doing something that I was passionate about. So combining my, what I would call, I guess my, you know, talents with my passion. Like that's always my best advice for anyone when it comes to a career is you got to take something that you're good at and combine it with something that you're passionate about because you can be good at it. But if you're not passionate, then you're never going to be, you're never going to find that fulfillment in it. You can be passionate about something, but if you're not good at it, it's going to be really hard to be successful. So fitness was always just something that I loved. Uh, and through the years of training in the gym and throwing around heavy iron, I, a lot of that time was spent using resistance bands. So the past, I'd say 11 years, I started to incorporate resistance band training into my programs. And I was wondering like, Hey, what would it be like if I just ditched the weights and only use resistance bands? Could I still build muscle? Could I maintain the same physique? And so it was always this kind of question somewhere in the back of my mind. And over time, as I just got busier and busier, you know, I'm a husband, I've got two kids. So focused on my career, focused on them, still trying to maintain my fitness goals. And it just got harder and harder to balance all that. And I think most people can relate to that. If you ask people why they don't, you know, why they don't ever maintain their fitness goals, usually it's a lack of time or a lack of energy. And so one day it was about, well, I mean, September will be two years now since I left the gym, left, you know, the weights behind. And uh, I just said, you know what, maybe this is the perfect opportunity just to go ahead and test it. And so that's why I did start training only with resistance bands and realized that, you know, I was a little scared before. To, to be honest with you, I, there was that part of me that I knew theoretically that I could get the same results. But after lifting weights for so long, it's scary to make a change like that. So I just kind of took the leap of faith and. And that really ultimately ended up becoming the beginning of what I'm doing now, which is under Sun Fitness, which is resistance bands and resistance band training program. I've, I've always seen people, you know, use resistance bands. I think it's definitely gaining in popularity, but I never really played around with it much because, you know, I just grew up with, with weights, you know, lifting in the weight room. And I like the idea of using bands, especially from like a, like a convenience standpoint. Like if you're traveling, like I, I bought a package of your bands I'm going to take with me when I travel for different conferences and whatnot just to have it. Um, but I really became a believer when, when uh, our production manager that we just hired came in and for the interview, not necessarily part of the interview, but one thing that we did was we worked out and I had to put him to the test before I could hire him. And yeah. uh, he hadn't done deadlifts in like, I think 11 years, he said. He'd only been doing body weight and resistance bands training. And he was pulling 405 for reps on deadlifts, having not done deadlifts in like 11 years. And I was just blown away by that. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I don't, uh, I haven't picked up the weights at all, but my wife, she'll teach classes out of a studio over here in Florida. And she asked me one day, she said, look, they're moving a bunch of equipment in. We're going to do it late at night. Can you help? And I said, sure, no problem. So I went over there. And one of the things they had to move the dumbbell rack, all the, take all the dumbbells off, move them from one side of the room to the other. So I was doing that, which the funny thing, that was literally the first time I'd picked up weights in over a year. So of course, a little bit of curiosity, you know, kind of curl them, press them just to see how I felt. 
And that was the crazy thing is I realized that I just haven't lost an ounce of strength, even though I hadn't picked them up. And I mean, ask anyone who's stopped lifting for any period of time, forget a year. I mean, stop lifting for a month and your strength just disappears. So that to me was, uh, it, it was, you know, I think just step by step, it built my confidence in resistance bands. I mean, now it doesn't matter what someone says to me because of course people are doubters, especially guys, you know, and look, I get it. I was one of those dudes. I was, you know, kind of like the bro in the gym. And so, you know, there's a lot of skepticism around bands. I think they're still perceived as something that old people do or you do in rehab. And people just don't think that you can get the amount of resistance or tension from bands needed to build muscle. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things I can talk to on blue in the face. And, you know, what I really want to say is, hey, come work out with, me. you know, I, I know I could probably silence even, the you know, the most serious of critics with a single workout. Do you think you've been able to build much additional muscle or you think it's more like just really perfectly maintain the muscle you had already established? Hey, you know, this, this is a, it's an interesting debate, right? Because a lot of people would say, well, you spent all those years in the gym lifting weights. And I'd say, it's true. But if you were to ask me if I were to do it all over again, could I build the same physique with bands? I tell you, yes, absolutely. I, you know, I went through a period where just, I was so busy, you know, Look, I think people have a tendency to think when you're in the fitness industry that you're somehow infallible with your workouts and your nutrition, that it's like you're always on your A game all the time, which uh, I don't believe is true for anyone. I mean, it's, you know, you have highs and lows. We all try to just even those out so they're not peaks and valleys, but definitely go through periods where not on my A game, just, you know, different factors. It's kind of like priorities. You're juggling different things. And so you feel like you neglect one thing and, so then you reinvest your time in that and in the process, you neglect other things. So I was so focused on business and on family and had a lot of personal stuff going on, you know, especially last year, January, my dad passed away and my mom got sick and, you know, kind of all the reasons why people normally fall off. And so I didn't stop working out, but certainly was not on my A game and I was starting to lose weight. I'm fortunate in the fact that I have a fast metabolism. I always have. The downside is I can lose muscle in a blink. Mm -hmm. And so I did. I lost, uh, lost, lost muscle, lost strength. And so I was able to build all that back with only resistance bands. Now, again, critics would argue and say, well, yeah, but you have muscle memory. True. Uh, but again, to build strength back and to build muscle, you still have to have adequate tension. I, uh, you know, so Look, at the end of the day, my attitude's pretty simple. There's no magic to dumbbells, although I love free weights. You know, there's something about it. It's kind of kind of primitive, right? We love to pick up heavy stuff and throw it around, especially metal that clanks and rattles. Uh, but, you know, there's nothing magical about dumbbells. They provide tension, and that tension is only provided by gravity, right, on a vertical plane. And so in, in some respects, weights are kind of simple. Uh, Bands just provide resistance in a different way. They happen to be able to provide resistance though in multiple planes in the horizontal plane, or I can create, you know, all kinds of different exercises with all sorts of different angles because now I've got resistance in any plane. And that's, that's one of the things I like about it. I, I mean, look, there's a lot of things I like. I like the linear variable resistance. So, you know, you see guys in the gym and, you know, I mean, how many times do you see the dude who's in there swinging dumbbells, right? He's rocking his whole body back and forth trying to get past that sticking point in his curls because he's stronger at the top a weaker at the bottom so with bands with that linear variable resistance you don't have that problem so 
the more you stretch it, the harder it gets. So up at the top of the range of motion, you know, where you want the most resistance at that peak contraction, you have it with bands. So it's a combination of a lot of things. Get awesome pumps. You know, we all know that with building muscle, it's not just about mechanical tension. It's also about metabolic stress, the pump. And bands give you a crazy pump. I mean, that's why bodybuilders use them backstage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's, it's from a technical standpoint, I definitely see the benefit to it. I mean, you're getting that constant tension throughout the whole range of motion that you're not getting with, you know, dumbbells or something like a free weight at the, at the peak. Um, but even more so than that, like I, I find the fact that you can take them anywhere and not have to worry about transportation. I mean, it's going to be a lot harder to take, you know, a whole bunch of dumbbells with you anywhere than it would be a bag full of bands. Yeah. My wife and I just went to uh, Peru and we traveled, it was only five days, but we traveled only with a backpack each. And so with my clothes and my camera gear, I still stuffed those bands into my backpack. And so here we hiked to the top of, uh, you know, the Andes Mountains to Machu Picchu and I caught a workout there. I mean, so, you know, some people would say, well, hey, bands aren't as cool as lifting weights. Yeah, you're probably right. But being able to train in all these epic locations, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that, that's kind of like the motivation behind the Undersun brand, right? I asked Brandon about that and he said basically you're training under the sun anywhere. Yeah, you know, I mean, look, the, the, here's the backstory on it. So I've always loved working out. I've always loved training, but in my family, I was a little bit of the oddball in the sense that they were all into health and fitness, but more on the health side. So they were all ate uh, organic before organic was even a term. It was just, you know, eating, eating all natural. And, you know, they're into yoga and meditation and all these things. And here I was the guy who liked throwing iron around and, and drinking protein shakes. But with that being said, the thing that we all had in common is we liked the outdoors. You know, riding mountain bikes and backpacking and, you know, just skiing, anything outside. And it's not, you know, the, the fitness lifestyle isn't always conducive to that. It's not, especially not conducive to, to traveling. You know, I can't tell you how many trips that I passed up through the years because I didn't want anything to interfere with my workouts. You know, mm-hmm. my, my world revolved around the gym and, you know, and my Tupperware full of food. So, you know, and look, and if you want to accomplish, like, look, you want to step on stage, right? Well, that requires a certain level of commitment and sacrifice in order to do that, uh, especially on the nutrition side. But I'm just kind of a dis- different place now. You know, I've done the competitions, I've done the magazine covers. And so now it's not that my fitness goals are any less important to me, but I want a little bit better balance. I, I want to be able to travel. I want to go to cool, epic places like Machu Picchu. And, you know, I want to, you know, continue to put my time and energy into business. And I still want to be a good dad and a good husband. So it's like, well, what gives? You know, I certainly, I don't have time to go spend two hours in the gym anymore. It's just, you know, at this point in my life, that would be selfish. You know, when I was younger, I could afford to do that. When I was in my 20s, I didn't have any responsibilities other than myself. And, that was cool. If I were to do it all over again, I'd probably do it the exact same way. I, uh, but I'm in a different place now. And so that's part of it for me. It's that freedom. I mean, if you were to ask me what the, the real like underlying thing is, it's that it's freedom, it's time efficiency. But I don't think it just relates to people like me that have kids or have a business. I think it, it's to anyone who wants more freedom. You could be in your twenties and, you know, look how popular traveling is. Look at all the travel vloggers out there on YouTube. So, you know, for all those people who fitness is still important to them, 
to be able to take that, you know, take their workouts to the top of some mountain or to wherever it is, you know, anywhere around the world. Now you don't have to compromise on your fitness goals. You don't have to say, well, you know, it's a, it's an okay workout, right? You know, I'm taking my bands and it's like not as good as being in the gym, but it's better than nothing. No, it can be just as good as your workout in the gym. And that's my whole thing is like, how do I bring that same level of intensity and results using only bands though and not having to go to? Yeah, that's, that's incredibly liberating. I mean, I used to, to follow a standard, you know, bro diet type of approach where I'm eating six meals a day, carrying my Tupperware around everywhere, couldn't leave and if I didn't have access to a gym. And it's, it's, it's just debilitating, honestly. Now, you know, with me being keto, I eat once or twice a day. I don't have to fixate on, you know, when my next meal is. And then I still train at a gym, but I've been able to build my own personal warehouse gym. So I don't have to go to a corporate gym, which is nice. But now that I've got the bands, I don't have to worry about that when I'm traveling and whatnot. So it's just a good all around way to, to approach your new fitness and nutrition, I think. You know, the one thing that I've learned through all the years is, look, I've tried all sorts of different training strategies, nutrition strategies. And I think the thing that, you know, I've learned through all that is that you just have to find what works for you and what, what you enjoy doing, what's sustainable for you. There's a lot of things, you know, especially on nutrition strategies, you've seen it, you know, people, they, they really crank down on themselves and they get super disciplined and they get great results, but there's also a backlash, you know, it's like they get in the best shape of their life to turn around and get in the worst shape of their life. It's the yo-yo, um, you know, so it's almost like a pendulum, right? Pendulum doesn't swing from one extreme and then all of a sudden just swing to neutral to a balanced position. No, it swings to the other side. So. Uh, you know, my whole goal is to be, to find better balance and to find something that's sustainable, something that I can do all the time, something that requires less work. I, you know how a bodybuilding, you know, like an old fashioned bodybuilding lifestyle, it's a lot of work and it requires a, not, it's not just the discipline. It's also, it requires a lot of thought process, you know, like always thinking about, okay, well, let me, you know, prep my meals and let me do this and let me do that. So. You know, like I said, my goals are just different now, but I think the big thing that, you know, if I were to share with people, because a lot of people think that, well, hey, you know, now you're saying that weights suck and it's all about bands. No, no. I'm just saying that I'm not telling people that bands are better than weights. There's definitely some advantages to them. I'm just saying that they're not lesser than. It's just mm -hmm. another way of doing it. They're just another tool. It's, you know, and if it happens to fit your goals and your lifestyle, then hey, great. If you like being in the gym, then keep working out in the gym. Although I would say that even if you like going to the gym, I would still incorporate bands, which is how I started with them. I was using weights in combination with bands. And honestly, that was the strongest I ever got. I was using bands with my bench press. I mean, that was when power lifters really started to incorporate bands into their training. And I was watching that and I'm like, okay. And that's when I started learning about linear variable resistance and sticking points. And all of a sudden it clicked with me. I'm like, this makes sense. And man, my bench, my squat, everything went up using bands. And that was kind of like when the light bulb went off. But yeah, you know, like I think you just have to find whatever suits you. And there is no one way to do anything. It's like climbing a mountain, right? Yeah, the ultimate goal is to get to the summit. But just because everybody follows one trail to the top doesn't mean it's the only way. Definitely. 100%. I got a deep question for you, man. This is going to be a, we ain't got to flesh out for, for a while probably. But right. just in talking with you and kind of looking at your backstory a little bit, you seem to have, you know, experienced quite a lot. You've reached 
you know, the quote unquote pinnacle in many of the industries that you've been involved in over the years, as you've gotten older and as you've, you know, gone through different obstacles and done different things, what's been your main driver and motivation? How has that shifted when you've reached certain points? Like for instance, you know, when you were first getting involved in the fitness industry and trying to climb that ladder and be a prominent figure with like the the articles and Flex Magazine and whatnot, how did that shift to, you know, where you are now? How did having the kids and the wife and the family shift things? Like, give me some some backstory on what's going through your mind through these different chapters. And I only ask because I am looking at your trajectory and kind of how I've poised myself to go. And I'm curious as to what's been going through your head. Well, you know, it's, it's like motivations, right? Your motivations change at different points in your life. Uh, and it's not even an age thing. It's just, you know, different people are at different points in their life and different things motivate them. I, uh, you know, total transparency and, you know, early in my career due to survival, I didn't know, I didn't know what I was doing. I, you know, I was really fortunate that at a, a point early in my life, in my early twenties, I had someone who was a mentor who, for whatever reason, just decided to invest the time and energy into me. And I think they, they saw that there was that desire within me to, to put the work in and do what it took to, to create a life for myself. But before that, I'd made a lot of bad decisions to the point where I looked at my life and said, wow, James, you really made a mess of this. <laughs> what are you going to do now? And that's a scary thing when your future looks bleak, when you can't see a path. And that's a terrifying thing. And so I'd reached that point. And so it was this process of sitting down and saying, it was kind of like the way we start off the conversation saying, okay, where are your passions? What are your talents? And at the time I had, you know, I had a, a decent skill set in sales and I had a passion for fitness. And so that's, I got into sales within sports supplements. And that was the beginning for me. So it was survival. It was, you know, just trying to build some sort of career path for myself. And at the time, it didn't really go beyond that. It wasn't ego driven. It wasn't just because I love the fitness industry. And I wasn't even trying to, I wasn't even trying to get my face out there. It wasn't about even building my own brand at that point. It was about, it was about a paycheck in the beginning. You know, it was about being able to feed myself and put gas in my car because I went through a period where I couldn't do either of those. So that was the very beginning. And, you know, it's, I've always been the type where I like to, I like to be a student of the game. I like to keep my eyes open. And so I would, I was always watching and, you know, I was exposed to, you know, different business people within the health and fitness industry. And I was watching what they were doing. Uh, and, you know, I started to see little opportunities there of, like, hey, wait a second, if they did it, I can do that too. And so ultimately, it was just kind of one of those things where it's just like stepping stones. There was no big quantum leaps. It's not like one day I just woke up and was like, oh, wow, you know, let me go from, you know, A to Z. It just all kind of built one step at a time. And that's why I always analogize everything to working out because it's the same way. I see people that get so frustrated with their fitness goals because they have these lofty expectations of making, you know, rapid changes in a short period of time and it just doesn't work that way i uh, you know it takes time and patience and consistency and hard work and all the things that you know that it takes to build a great physique and the same thing applies to your career or to anything that you want to create it's having a vision for it and then 
literally manifesting it. It's all your own energy, your own efforts that make something, you know, come to life, which is what I happen to like about building a physique or building a business. But uh, as time went on and it, it got past just pure survival of, you know, like hand to mouth, I, I started to realize that I really enjoyed helping people. It's like that old saying, you know, it's better to give than to receive. And I realized the truth in that, that there's nothing that's as rewarding as that. It just is a good feeling. And it's not that I'm some sort of like good Samaritan. No, I actually, it's kind of selfish on my part. I do it because it feels good. And I was fortunate to have someone be a mentor for me when I needed it. And so it's kind of like, you know, not just paying it back, but paying it forward. And so to be able to do that for other people, but you know, you, you want to, you want to make sure that you're investing your time in the right people, the people who actually want to put the effort in, put the hard work in and make, you know, create change in their life. But for those people that want that, I'm, you know, I'm there. I, I enjoy that. I enjoy watching people make these transformations, especially you see it first in their fitness, right? If you can help them there and you can teach them those same skill sets that I learned early on about that kind of patience, which is a big one, the patience to see something come to life. People get frustrated and they quit too early, but to be patient, to be consistent, to work hard. And then they see these results in, in their, their phys, you know, physique or fitness goals. And then all of a sudden, like after a while, a light bulb goes off and they go, Oh, wow with enough effort and enough strategy, I can create change in my life and I can make my life better. And then pretty soon that parlays into other areas of your life and you realize, wait a second, I can do the exact same thing, you know, with my career or, you know, with my relationships. And that's rewarding for me when I see that light bulb go off for other people. So that's where I'm at now. I, uh, and it's also, it's also doing something that, is bigger than that. I think, you know, as you, as you mature, like you said, you know, you reach a certain point in your life. One of, I think the ultimate goals is to figure out who you are, right? Who you are as a person, like who you are at the core. What's most important to you? What are you most passionate about? And when you can take the things that are most true to you and most unique about you and turn that into business, that's when business becomes really fun. And it's also, I think that when you start to stand out, you can carve out a niche for yourself. So for example, like doing Undersun Fitness, am I encountering a lot of resistance from people right now about, you know, building muscle with bands? Well, of course I am, but that's just right now. That's the beginning. Anytime you try to convince people of, of doing something a different way, you're always going to encounter resistance, but I'm okay with that because it's what I enjoy. This, I'm not, it's not this reverse, you know, thing where I decided to go ahead and make fitness bands and then come up with plans and then convince people that they're great. No, it was the opposite. It was me using bands and realizing, wow, this is great. I can get great results. I've got more freedom, better time efficiency. I'm able to juggle all the responsibilities that I have. And I'm like, if it can do it for me, then it can do it for other people. So if it works for me, maybe it'll work for them. And hey, let me share it. And so I think that's where I'm at right now is just trying to be true to myself. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's, it's interesting hearing you talk about these things because I've I've asked myself these same questions and like contemplated my answers. And I think whenever you come from this position of, you know, deep like self-reflection and figuring out who you are in life and how you can add the most value, 
and then living that truly and genuinely, it turns into something that, that it becomes a valuable thing for others. Like, you know, as you're trying to do this, um, you know, training with resistance bands and offer that as a potential solution for people that are looking for an alternative to traditional lifting, I'm, I'm doing something similar with, you know, proposing that you can be a natural bodybuilder and follow the ketogenic diet and not have to have carbohydrates. And, and there's definitely been a lot of, uh, you know, flack that I've gotten from that because it's just been frowned upon over the years. But I've seen success with it myself and I've helped other people realize that same potential. So it's, I, I truly believe that when you, you know, like you said, you're not coming from it from a business perspective of make this product and then figure out how to market the product, but instead make and create something you believe in and, and live yourself. And then it becomes something that other people find value. And I think when you have that approach to it and every single day is you living out that, that, you know, potential and that desire, then you're setting yourself up for long-term sustained success. Yeah. You know, people ask me my advice on, you know, say for example, YouTube, Oh, Hey, what, you know, what do you think I should do for YouTube? And my simple answer is obviously there's a lot of strategies there of, you know, kind of like let's call them best practices, things that you should be doing. But at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, what kind of value am I providing? What kind of unique value am I providing? And it goes back to a book that I read once that someone gave me that really resonated with me because it was part of my belief system already. And so to hear someone else talk about it, you know, put words to it, uh, it really stuck with me. And the book is called The Go-Giver. And love that book. Yeah, it's a great book, right? You know, and the concept being that, uh, you know, when someone's got hustle, you say, hey, they're a go-getter. But, you know, the term get means to, to take. And so a go-giver is, is someone who's got hustle, but the idea is they're giving more than they expect in return. And so that's kind of my philosophy. I, I really do believe that if you give value and that you really have people's best interests in mind and you want to help them, I do believe it comes back around. I don't believe that you have to have this taker attitude. And, uh, you know, and so that's when this whole idea of community building really is something real. It's not just some sort of like marketing term that people use. Oh, you know, we're going to build a community. No, when you really, you know, when people feel like you're looking out for their best interest, that you care and you want to see them succeed, that's community. And then when you can get them to support each other, you know, that's really building a community where they're encouraging each other and supporting each other. And, you know, they feel like they're surrounding themselves with like-minded individuals that's when it becomes really fun. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of my goal right now is just that building a community of like-minded people. And it doesn't mean that we all have to agree on the exact same thing. Like you and I, we could probably sit down and debate nutrition, right? But at the end of the day, what works for you is what works for you and you believe in it. And what works for me is what works for me. And, you know, and I think that's got to be the quest for everyone is to find what works for them and for them to recognize it. You know, there is no one size fits all approach for anything in life. I, you know, I try to make sure that, especially in an industry where it's so easy to be narrow minded, to be open minded and to realize that just because something is good for me doesn't mean it's good for everybody, but I'll still share with what works for me and maybe it'll work for them as well. I think that is, is key, man. I get frustrated when I see people you know, deal in absolutes and that, you know, their way is the only way. And I've, I've always maintained that, you know, there's a lot of different ways to kill a cat out there. You can do 
whatever resonates most with you as long as you find it sustainable. Because if you find it sustainable and you enjoy doing it and you enjoy the process, you fall in love with the day-to-day climb and the journey, then, it, I mean, what you can accomplish with that becomes, uh, you know, limitless. I mean, you can truly do whatever you set out to do if you're able to play the long game approach. And, and kind of going back to the community building aspect of it, as a very long game strategy with, you know, building a brand, building a business. And I think having that mentality towards it is key. And the, the beauty of the, the day in which we live, I mean, with social media, you have the, the tools at your fingertips to do that. A lot of people abuse that, but I think if you have the right intentions and you're, you know, truly a good person in it for the right reasons, that shines through and people see the reality of who you are and then you can build that community and it be, you know, a loyal one that sticks with you through the years. Yeah, I think, you know, with social media, we really see this, you know, it it becomes really clear to people. And even if they don't really think about it, I think subconsciously they, you know, they see it. There's people out there that have influence right so maybe it's on instagram and they've got a huge fan base and so they've got a lot of people following them but to me especially after dealing with social media influencers and athletes ambassadors through the years one thing that i realize is you know what's most important is not the size of someone's fan base or their even their engagement you know engagement rate is a nice metric but what it really boils down to is influence. Do they have influence over their community? And what gives someone influence? Well, usually it boils down to trust. Does, mm-hmm. does this group trust you? Do they, if you recommend something, do they believe that it's something that you really believe in? And, you know, so I think that's becoming more and more important, which it, it should have always been important. But unfortunately, I, you know, I mean, look at, the history of marketing. It used to be there was a time where it's just repetition. Hey, let's just say it over and over enough until it sticks in your head and you walk into the grocery store and just mindlessly buy something because it's the brand that you recognize. Now consumers want to buy from brands that they trust, that they believe in. And it's funny watching big brands try to emulate that, right? So they'll go through all the steps. They'll use all the right buzzwords. They'll talk about building community and they'll talk about trust and you know, and they'll, they'll design really great about us pages with, you know, these stories, you know, company stories that they can cop. But I think most people see through it. Like you see the brands that are sincere that, you know, you can tell that there's a passion behind it. And when you've got that, I think that, you know, there's, there's a niche for you. Look, it's a big world out there. How many billions of people are out there in the world? You don't have to appeal to everybody. Not everyone has to like you. They don't have to agree with you. But if you are clear about who you are and what you stand for and you raise that flag, there's going to be people who, you know, they want to be a part of it. Could not agree more, man. I think that is 100% the right way to go about, you know, business for sure. But then also just making, like leaving the world a better place, like find an area in your life where you can add more value. You're self-aware as to what you're capable of and can bring to the table and then just attack that very niche focus with everything you've got and then you'll build upon that which is what i've tried to do and it's cool to see other people especially people that like yourself that have come from you know like humble beginning like you said you weren't even able to put gas in your car and now you've been able to do what you've done and it's it's i don't know man i i I get behind that it's just inspiring for me to interact with other people that have done something similar because it's it's motivating it's inspirational it gives people hope that they can you know strike out and 
find fulfillment in their life because unless you're doing something that you truly feel passionate about and you're excited to do every single day, you're just not living life to your full potential. Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, tell you what. I mean, you know, I guess this probably is an age and a maturity thing or, you know, I mean, look, all all maturity is, in my opinion, is just experience having gone through enough mm-hmm. stuff in life. And, you know, having gone through losing a parent, I mean, or for anyone who's lost anyone, one thing becomes really, really apparent to you, and that's that death is real, right? And we all acknowledge it's real. We all say, yeah, yeah, I'm, I know, I'm going to die someday, but we're in denial about it. We're in serious denial because if you ask anyone who loses someone, they all say something similar, which is, wow, this just can't believe this. This doesn't seem real. And you want to say, why doesn't it seem real? It's the realest thing there is. It's the only thing that's guaranteed in life. And for me, really truly embracing that was like it just lit a fire under my ass because time is short you don't have time to waste think about what procrastination is right procrastination comes from us thinking that we have more time we say "Ah, i'll do it tomorrow or i'll do it next week or whenever it is you know i'll start my fitness goals on monday and then it's next monday oh okay i'll start on the first monday of the month but when you realize that the sand is running through the hourglass, that time's a ticking, that you don't have much time to go accomplish all the things that you want to do in this life, it's a motivator. You, you know, that it creates a sense of urgency. And that's usually one of the things I tell people, you know, people ask about motivation. Well, how do I motivate myself? Because that's, I think, what a lot of people struggle with. It's not even so much the how-to these days. You know, it used to be with fitness, how to do it was the big question. But, I mean, come on, we're in... We're in an era of information. We have information coming out our ears. So it's not a matter of finding out how to do something. It's, it's finding the motivation to actually go do it and then stick to it. And so people ask me all the time, well, you know, how do you motivate yourself? And it makes me think about, I'm like, you know, what is most people's perception of this word motivation? Like, what do they think it is? Because People have this idea that it's like something out there floating in the air that you can somehow grab hold of and all of a sudden, ah, yeah, now I'm motivated. No, I mean, motivation for me comes in all shapes and forms, but, you know, a sense of urgency to do something is motivation. Like when you were a kid and you procrastinated doing your homework and all of a sudden it was due the next day, suddenly all of a sudden you're getting it done, right? You're motivated to do it. Why? Well, it's a sense of urgency. You ran out of time. so. I tell people all the time in a, in the process of goal setting, it's important to be very, very specific about your goal of what it is that you want to accomplish. Because how do you know that you accomplished it if you're not clear, if you don't define it? But then you have to put a deadline to it, right? That sense of urgency. And, you know, for me early on in my career, it was bodybuilding shows, right? It's, it's very clearly defined. You know, if you're in the right shape or not, it's like, okay, if I step out on that stage, am I going to look terrible? Am I going to get laughed at? Am I going to look terrible next to the guy next to me? So you know specifically what your goal is, to what degree, and you have a specific deadline. And so for me, that was that was motivating. It made me work hard. And so that's the way I approach everything is is creating a sense of urgency. But you know, now I have that sense of urgency with everything in my life. Like life is way too short, way too many things I want to do. And so I'm motivated. I want to get out there and experience all of it because... I don't believe in regrets, but I would hate to get to the end of my life and regret not doing the things that I wanted to do. Like for me, my big long-term goal, like that singular goal 
is to like on my dying breath kind of like give myself a high five and be like dude you did it like you lived it you went out there and you kicked ass and you lived it to the fullest i could not say it better myself but i've said something similar on prior podcasts and i think i think the opposite of motivation inspiration etc cetera, etc cetera, is a sense of regret like that's the opposite of the spectrum and if you're on your deathbed and one shadow of regret enters your mind about something that you could have done or should have done differently in life and you held back on, I think that's got to be the, that's definitely my biggest fear. Like if I'm dying and, and I have any sense of regret flash through my mind, I, I won't die with a smile on my face. I, I want to be able to die smiling, knowing that I could not have done anything different or would not have done anything different with my time on earth. Yeah. You know, you look at a, all the reasons that stop us from going out and doing the things that we want to do. And obviously fear is usually a big one on there. Fear of failure, whatever it is that we fear. But it's like they say, you're never going to regret all the things that you did do. You're going to regret all the things that you didn't do. And so that's my whole goal is, you know, not let any of those things stop me to try to try to go through life as fearless as I can, because you know what, what do I really have to lose? You know, a story that stood out to me. I don't know if you saw it. I believe that it was part of that documentary that Jim Carrey did, uh, where documented him filming that movie, uh, where he played Andy Kaufman. I don't know if you saw that one. And, you know, Jim Carrey's actually a pretty profound guy. He says some crazy stuff. You're like, whoa, that's deep. Uh, but he was telling a story of his dad. Because they were asking him, I think, how he got into comedy. And he was saying that his dad was really funny and that his dad had all these dreams, these aspirations of being some sort of performer, whether it was a stand-up comedian or whatever it was. But then all of a sudden, responsibilities. He had kids, got married, and he decided to do the responsible thing. So he went and he got a real job, got a nine-to-five job, and he became an accountant, right, which is pretty polarizing, right? From being a performer to being an accountant. It's like opposite ends of the spectrum. But he did it because he felt it was the responsible thing to do. So fast forward, something happens, you know, I think Jim was already in his adolescence and something happens with the company that his dad worked for and he lost his job. And so Jim is telling the story how his dad was absolutely devastated. And it's not that he was devastated because he lost his job. He was devastated because he sacrificed his dreams for something that he thought was safer. And so the takeaway for Jim and the whole thing was that there is no such thing as safe. You know, safety is an illusion. So if there's risk in everything, you might as well take the risk and do the things that you love. And so I think that was probably a pretty strong influence on Jim's decision to go out and pursue the life that he did. And and, you know, I found it to be true. Like, there is no such thing as a sure thing or the safe approach. So why not go out there and, and pursue your passions? Do the things that you really want to do in life. You got one shot at it. You got one life. And, yeah, and what's crazy is, like, if you're building up, like, your your brand, your business, your identity almost on, like, the like the content that you're putting out for your, your community and the value you're adding to that space, I mean, the, the more real you are to those people that support you, the better. I mean, they they accept that you're human. They accept that you're going to make mistakes. And then if you do make the mistakes, which we're all bound to do, as long as you're upfront and honest with them, they're incredibly forgiving. So it's like if you have that approach and you do things honestly and genuinely, I mean, you can't 
really fail on a macro level, only on a micro level. And and worst case scenario is you just learn from it, which is not a bad thing at all. You know, it's funny. Uh, so I did a uh, it was a keynote speech in uh, it was over in Salt Lake City. It was for FitCon Utah, and that's what I talked about was failure or the perception of failure. And long story short, I have this thought process that you know what is a failure? Because to me, a failure is only if you because if you try something and it doesn't work to your expectation, you run into some sort of hurdle or obstacle, one, that's just an opportunity to learn. I mean, that's where we all learn. We all learn from our mistakes. So as long as you have an open mind to it, as long as you own it, and you can make some sort of distinction from that mistake, then that's only going to make you better, more prepared, etc. And that's what's going to propel you forward. So those hurdles, they're not a failure. They're actually just part of the success equation. And a failure is just letting those hurdles stop you and you quit. So, you know, to your point, when you experience these things and you share it, you own it, but you share those distinctions that you're taking out of your own failure and how you're learning from it and getting better from it. Now you're actually helping other people. Maybe they can learn from your mistake and not have to make the same mistake. It's almost, that's what I tell my kids. That's the ultimate goal of a parent. And I mean, that's even in the animal kingdom. That's what animals do. They, you know, they teach their young. So their young know how to survive in life. And so it's kind of the same thing. It's leading by example and just being real about it. Like you said, just being really honest and not letting your ego get in the way and thinking that you somehow have to be perfect, which these days people do think that, you know, especially with the perception of social media, like, let me project this really awesome life. Like everything in my life is so perfect. I don't know anyone who has a perfect life, no matter how perfect it looks on the outside. I, uh, you know, outside looking in, everyone's got their own problems. Everyone's got their own struggles. Everyone makes their own mistakes. And so, like you said, just to be real about it, one, it makes you relatable. They're like, oh, wow, he is human. Absolutely. On that note, how many, how many kids do you have? 12 year old son and a six year old daughter. I'm, I'm curious. This is a, a question that I'm going to put back in my memory banks for someday when I have kids, but. I just got married this past month and my wife has helped me build the business that I have up to this point. I mean, I, we're like teammates, partners, and best friends. So I'm very grateful to have her in my corner. And it, it's interesting, man. Like I started the business and I've, I've built it alongside her and I've, I've changed the way I think in so many different ways. But like one huge unknown in my life is how having kids is going to impact my perception of my business goals and dreams and my priorities towards those and the things that I want to pursue in life after I have kids. So for you, what, what did you notice shifting? Like what, what happened? What changed? How'd your perceptions, um, you know, change after you had kids towards your, your business and your empire? You know, it's funny. I think if you probably ask any parent, they'll tell you that People have this, you know, this question like, well, you know, does it change things? Yeah, <laughs> it changes everything. It kind of, in some ways, you feel like it throws a monkey wrench in like your whole system, not your way of life, but your system, you know, the way that you're familiar or used to doing things, it all changes, but it changes in good ways too, right? I, uh, but the biggest takeaway for me was that, and I think you have to be reflective in order for this, in order to benefit from it. 
But when you realize that it's not what you say to your kids, it's what you do because they're watching you constantly. They're studying everything that you do, everything that you say. So if you say something, but you don't live it, they may not know what the word hypocrite means, but they know you're a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. And so it holds you to a higher standard. You have to hold yourself to a higher standard and you have to lead by example. And to me, that's what parenting is. It's leadership, it's coaching, it's mentoring. You know, I think a lot of people think, well, hey, my job as a parent is to put a roof over their head, to clothe them and to feed them and to tell them I love them. Yeah, that is, that is your responsibility. But it's more than that. It's to prepare them for life. And that's a job that I, I do take serious. That's a lot of responsibility. That's a burden. You're like, whoa. Seriously, I'm responsible or partially responsible for the outcome of this, you know, this little human being here. Uh, so, yeah, I felt that it made me a better person because I held myself to a higher standard and I continue to. You know, I mean, think about it, even simple things like you're driving down the road and someone cuts you off and, you know, you say something, you know, get a little bit of road rage. And it's like, these little eyes and ears are looking at you and they're studying you and you realize, wait a second, they're going to emulate whatever I do. And so then you kind of have to, if you're smart about it, you'll retract it and you'll explain it to them like, okay, you know, I probably shouldn't have said that. And, you know, it's, like I said, it just holds you to a different standard. It, you kind of keep a watchful eye over yourself. And when it comes to your personal development, you have to, it's almost like, always looking in the mirror. Like, think about this. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Have you ever looked at any of your video footage where, and this has happened to me, where I was editing my own stuff, where all of a sudden someone interrupted me while I was recording and I saw my own reaction. Mm -hmm. I was like, whoa, you kind of look like an a-hole. And <laughs> yeah. so imagine if we always had a recording of ourselves all through our life, how much faster we would learn. Like if, I'm not a golfer, but if you wanted to go golf, I know that the best golf coaches in the world, what do they do? They put a, a video camera on you and then they play it back so you can see exactly what they see. And so to me, being a parent is kind of like that. It's forced me to be more mindful of that. And, uh, you know, and I, I do think that's accelerated my own personal growth. So. You know, even how it's impacted business. Well, okay. So on one hand, yes, does it take away some of that free time that I have or that freedom that I have, you know, because now I have this responsibility. Yeah. But on the flip side, I've grown as a person. And so that, you know, and that's not even factoring in the love that you have for them. I mean, like I'm not a kid person. I never was. I never even thought I wanted kids. Matter of fact, most kids annoy me. Even my own kids annoy me. And I tell them, uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's still, it's my favorite part of the day is coming home and, uh, you know, and having them run to the front door and give me a hug. It doesn't get any better than that, you know, to get that kind of love from someone. I mean, that's what we all strive for in any kind of relationship. Like, don't we all wish that our, you know, our significant other ran to the, to the front door and gave us a hug as soon as we walked through the door? I mean, that's best case scenario. It's, it's interesting, man. Like, I don't, um... Like my, my wife is all about kids. She wants kids. You know, I've told her that I want to kind of lay the foundation for the business a little bit more firmly before we go that direction with things. But, you know, having kids is like one of the big unknowns in my life. Like that's just, 
a big thing that's going to impact my life that I haven't done before. Um, so I've, I've, I've questioned myself as far as, you know, is this going to make me a better businessman? Is this going to improve upon what I've currently built? I don't doubt for a second that it'll improve my, my own self-development and, and outlook on life and improve my patience and all those aspects. But I'm constantly, you know, wondering whether the, the loss of freedom and time I have towards the things that I, you know, am building is going to be, um, you know, outweighed by the, the benefit I gain as, as becoming a better person. And then I'm able to use those developments towards building a better business and a, a you know, just more well-rounded business because I'll be a more well, well-rounded person. And, you know, when I think about it like that, it's like, I'm excited to have kids because it'll give me the opportunity to be the person that I would never be able to be if I didn't go that direction. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's pros and cons of everything. I, I could tell you that for me having kids, well, even, you know, even like getting married, right. That's a big commitment. Now, all of a sudden you're no longer just responsible for yourself. You're responsible for someone else. And so for me, that was a big motivator. Whoa, I got responsibilities. Oh, you know, pressure's on, uh, you know, cause I always kind of had this attitude before I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. If I screw up, I don't care. I'll sleep in my car. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, and I really didn't care. And I'm kind of still that way. Like I'm not a real, I'm not a mo- money motivated person. It just doesn't excite me. And I look, I've been very fortunate to be able to go, you know, do all these cool things and have cool cars and cool house and all that enough to where I realize that it's not that important to me. Like I just know that the things that make me happy aren't in things like things are just things and the novelty of things wears off. You could have it in your head that the coolest car in the world is going to somehow make you happy. And it will for that, whatever, first month, you know, while it's new and novel. But once the newness and the novelty wears off, it's just a car. And, you know, the things that make us happy are, you know, that it's, you know, our loved ones, our family, it's, you know, it's all those things. And so for me, that's what I got out of it. You know, having even though, like I said, they wear me out, they annoy me, they give me a headache, but the love that I get from them and the love that I have for them is, you know, it's unique. There's, there's nothing else like that, but it's also, it's a tremendous motivator for me. I look at it from a business perspective and I ask myself, would I have pushed myself as hard if I didn't have those responsibilities? And I don't know, but I don't think so. Like I've tried to, you know, really ask myself, honestly, I don't know if I would have pushed myself as hard because I work hard for them because I want to provide a good life for them because I'm a pretty simple guy. I mean, I probably could seriously like sleep in a tent on the beach and be pretty happy. Yeah. Now that's huge, man. I think, you know, the, the more life I've lived, the more minimalistic I've become towards the things in life. Like when you, when you're living a life that you're passionate about and you feel like you're making a difference and you find fulfillment and you know that you're adding more value than you're taking it's it's funny the things that you once thought were important just become obsolete like you don't really even care anymore so it's easy to just remove the noise and distraction from your day to day but um yeah you know you see that today i mean look <clears throat> i think this younger generation i uh, they watch their parents chase some sort of you know dream or you know ideal and it was it was very uh you know kind of materialistic, right? You know, we became in this country consumers. So mm-hmm. it's all about the newest everything. You know, you could have a, 
an iPhone 10, but you know, when the next one comes out, you're like, Oh, I gotta have it. Why? You know, do you really, how much of it is about functionality, you know, and the features of the phone versus just what we call status. And they're really a lot of, that's a, what drives a lot of us. Like how many people driving fancy cars are doing it just for themselves or are they driving and looking around to see who's looking at them and they're driving their satisfaction from the approval of others. And so I think when you reach a certain point where that doesn't matter to you, you stop caring about those things. It just doesn't matter. Like when you're really cool with yourself, like when you're really, really just comfortable with yourself and you don't really care what other people think, those things you realize kind of don't mean a whole lot unless they have personal meaning to you. And in that case, you know, then yeah, go splurge and spoil yourself on it if you truly get some some happiness from it. Yeah, and when, and when you've reached that point, like the confidence that you have within yourself is just so much more true than like than putting on a front. Like if you know what truly makes you happy, you don't have to put on this front. And then the decisions you make going forward are just made in in sincerity. Which I think once you've reached that point, you're able to just accomplish so much more with the certainty that it needs to be done. Um, I'm gonna sound like such a hypocrite following up that statement with this question, but. I am all into the old cars. We've got a 68 Camaro and a 72 Vet and a 68 Cougar and 68 Impala. You've got a 67 Chevelle, correct? Yeah, I've got a, I've always liked, you know, I mean, that's kind of more my thing. I've got a 67 Chevelle that, uh, you know, is a big thorn in my ass. There's always something, <laughs> you know, something broken. But that's, you know, that's part of old cars. You have to have that patience for it because if not, it's not for you. But yeah, I've got a 67 Chevelle. I've got a, a 53 Ford F100 pickup that has uh, been <laughs> an ongoing project forever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love old cars. And even the Chevelle, I drove it as a daily driver for over a year just because I was tired of seeing it sit in the garage. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And I've, I've even driven that car across the country. I took it on back roads across the country. and. So yeah, I'm I'm an old car guy for sure. Yeah, it's the way to do it, man. It's the uh, the car that we use as the getaway car after we got married was my dad's '68 Camaro that he drove when he was in high school. And I don't know something about the old cars, man. Like when you open up those headers and you've got that big block engine and you just take off, there's nothing else like it. Yeah, you know it's funny. I mean, look, you know, I used to equate, you know, having a big block motor and you know all that. You know, all that torque, I'm like, ah, you know, it's a fast car. And the funny thing is these days, look at a Tesla, right? It's like, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't even make any noise and these things are lightning quick. So, yeah, for me, it's not even about the, uh, the speed, but it is the, it's the nostalgia. I like the smell of it. You know, I like getting in an old car. I just like the way they smell. Uh, when I grew up, my mom had this 57 Pontiac Chieftain and I just, I love the way that thing smelled on the inside. So I grew up around cars. My dad had a good friend who owned a, a shop. He was used to be a top fuel uh, guy. He used to race and build the uh, build the engines himself. And so he'd have these, you know, big old big blocks with a blower on it sitting on an engine stand in the shop. And I was just always so fascinated by by that. But you know, it's the same thing that we were talking about. Like it's all the same, building a physique, building a business, building a car. I just like to build stuff. I mm -hmm. like, I like taking an idea and bringing it to life. That to me is really cool. Like it's creation. 
Like you're literally taking something and you're creating something. It just doesn't get any cooler than that to me. Yeah. And it's not even the final product that we find our satisfaction. It's the process of making it, you know, like that's, that's where the true fulfillment comes. A hundred percent, especially with the cars, right? You know, I've seen that so many times where someone will have this labor of love and they'll work on a car for three years and they'll, they'll complain about it the whole time. Like they can't wait to finish it. But as soon as they finish it, then it's kind of anticlimactic. Oh, now what? If you do it enough, you realize that, yeah, it's, it's the process. And that would be my best advice to people with their fitness goals is stop getting fixated on the end goal. You know, this idea of reaching this level, because first of all, there is no such thing. You know, it's not like you reach it, and you stop. So it's a journey. It's an ongoing process. It never ends. You don't just get in shape and, you know, say, all right, cool, done it. And then you stop. I, uh, you know, so if you can learn to appreciate the journey, that's when all of a sudden it changes your mindset. And we talked about, you know, people having this frustration or this impatience because they can't reach their goal quick enough. You know, if you can just hunker down and realize this is a lifestyle that you're stuck with yourself for the rest of your life, be patient, learn yourself, you know, learn your body, learn what, you know, nutrition plan works for you which nutrition plan you like, you enjoy it. Because if you don't like something, if you feel like you're battling yourself all the time, what's the likelihood of you sticking with it? It's pretty low. I mean, now you're just, all you need is a convenient excuse and you're going to quit. So to find something that you enjoy, find a training style that you enjoy. Like, you know, for example, I've never been a CrossFit person, but I'm not going to hate on CrossFit because there's a bunch of people out there that love it. And if they love it, well, man, they're out there, they're doing it. They're doing it. It works for them. They're excited about it. It motivates them. So in my mind, that makes it a successful training style because it's helping a lot of people get in shape. Just may not be my thing, but that's okay. Not everything has to be my thing. Could not agree more, man. Playing the long game and embracing the processes. I mean, that's that's kind of how I'm, you know, that's how I'm staking my claim and, and living my life. Like if I live that on a day-to-day -day basis, then I've got a reason to wake up every morning. And that's, that's, that's what's exciting. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that, like staking your claim because, you know, I, when I hear something like that, I, you know, get a vision of, you know, someone on the frontier literally going out, you know, venturing off into, you know, going out West and literally staking their claim saying, okay, boom, you know, this is where I'm going to be. I'm going to build a house here. I'm going to build a farm here and I'm going to create a life for myself. And that's what you need to do in life is, Kind of decide what it is you want to do because so many people just like wander through life aimlessly. It's like they don't have a, a vision for what they want in life and they don't realize that they have so much control that it's not out of their control. They have maybe not total control. There's so many things that happen outside of our control, but you're still in control of your attitude about everything that happens to you and you're still in control of the decisions that you make after anything happens, like, where do you go from there? Okay, you got knocked down. So what are you going to do now? Are you going to sit on the ground? Are you going to cry about it? Or are you going to get yourself up, dust yourself off and keep going? So you do have control of that. So I'm like you in that respect. I, you know, it's, it's out there for the taking if you want it. Yeah, it's all about how you approach it, your perception towards it, and then your ability to put in the work to make it happen, make it into a reality. But that's, that's the exciting yeah. part. Like if it was easy or handed to you, it would you wouldn't get near the fulfillment you would out of it if you had to work for every moment of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, come on. That's, that's, you know, I think that's probably 
what may motivate you may frustrate someone else. So, you know, someone criticizing you or what you're doing or criticizing me and what I'm doing, that might frustrate someone to make them want to quit. But that motivates me. I like when I encounter resistance. I like when people tell me no or that I can't do it. That charges me up. That fuels me. Absolutely. I, I, that's that's kind of like, I don't know, people people leave negative comments. They they doubt you. They tell you can't do something. And I live for those because it gives me that much more desire to prove them wrong. And when I'm proving them wrong, I'm just smiling the whole way, waiting for the next person to tell me I can't do something so I can know my next obstacle. Yeah, well, it's like we were talking about it earlier. It's my whole goal is, you know, I I just I would like in an ideal world, we don't live in an ideal world, but in an ideal world, people would be more open minded with all things. Right. I mean, you could you can name anything. You could get into a debate with someone about politics or debate about sports teams or with religion. And you get people who get locked into one thought process. And I think it's okay for people to strongly believe in something, but it's also important to recognize that it's also, like we said, not the only one. 100%, man. 100%. Well, listen, I want to be respectful of your time, James. I can't thank you enough. I mean, it's uh, been pretty inspiring just hearing you talk about what all you've gone through and kind of your mental approach and outlook towards things because it resonates with me 100%. Um, where, where can people go to, to find out more about you and get some bands, man? Well, so my home right now is undersunfitness.com. That's uh, everything that I'm doing is is right there. Uh, you know, getting back into the YouTube game as well. That was something that, uh, you know, I used to do a lot of YouTube content. And so getting back into that because it's like we talked about, it's, you know, giving more than you expect in return. So although we sell training programs, I still want to provide free advice for people and, you know, to be able to share some of the things that I've learned. So. Uh, YouTube, of course, and then starting to bring that all together with a brand new version of the website that we're launching here in the coming weeks, which is more content based. So when you go to it, it doesn't look like just a brand. It's it's an information hub. So all the videos, all the podcasts, all the articles, all that stuff, like we said, that can help people achieve their goals. It'll all be based on the site there. So that's something I'm pretty excited about because that's what I like. I like content. And I like sharing information. So. But yeah, undersunfitness.com is where it's at. And uh, that's my goal. It's, uh, you know, continue to be an advocate for this particular lifestyle. And, you know, it's not my concern isn't whether people will will uh, adopt the lifestyle or whether they'll recognize the value. It's can I get out there and do my thing fast enough because I know the wave is coming because it it's kind of one of those things that just makes sense. It's logical. Like once people recognize that they are truly effective, they already recognize the other benefits. Oh yeah, they're portable. Yeah, I recognize it. Oh yeah, I recognize I can do it when I'm traveling. Oh yeah, I recognize I could do it at home if I wanted to. It's the effectiveness part. And that's why, like I said, I quit the gym and kind of part of it was just proving a point. That was, you know, I'm kind of stubborn in that respect. I, you know, if someone, again, if they tell me I can't do it, it makes me want to do it. So that was me just being rebellious and saying, okay, Prove you wrong, like you said. Well, there'll, there'll definitely be competitors, man. With any good thing that comes out, there's always people to come and try and, you know, feed off of that momentum. But at the same time, like, you've got a unique style about you. You've got an interesting approach to it, and you've got a cool story. And I think if you've got that, you've got the right intentions like you do, and you document your journey, there's always going to be a loyal following that, 
that supports you and, and speaks highly of you. I mean, just in what little I've learned from you over the, this course, course, this conversation and, you know, what I dug into prior to us recording today, it's like, you know, the, the way you're going about things is right, man. I'm, so keep doing what you're doing. I'm all the way behind you. Man, uh, right back at you. You know, you're doing the exact same thing over on your side. You know, look, obviously with the popularity of keto, look, I've been following keto for, for a long time. I've got good friends that that's what they specialize in. And so I was creating keto content, you know, for a long time now. I, and so I've watched this whole wave of keto, right? And, you know, gain traction and popularity. But, you know, keto and keto products is one thing. It's another thing to do what you're doing, which is go out there and build a good community to share information, like we talked about, to be able to, you know, give that information and help people and support each other. They're always going to gravitate towards that, you know, and they're going to recognize the people that are out there just trying to make a buck. Absolutely. Well, if there's ever anything I do for you, man, don't hesitate to reach out and let me know because I'm happy to do it. Well, cool, man. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing this content that you guys are going to create with the, uh, you know, some of the calisthenics training combined with the bands. I mean, you couldn't help me any more than that. You're, you're, you're helping me spread the message on band training that, you know, it's a great alternative and something that can give people a lot of freedom and look forward to seeing some of that content as you're out there traveling. Get some of those, uh, you know, band workouts and, and, tag us i'd be happy to to share that and definitely want to make my way up there i think it'd be cool to come up there to where you're at and you know go grab a workout or next time you're down here in florida yeah man quick uh shameless plug here for any of my listeners that are familiar with the deeper state keto protocol that uh keto connect and i made we're we're going to start implementing a lot more exercise tutorials and training videos and a large bulk of that is going to be uh specifically catering towards um, resistance band training and body weight exercises because I know a lot of people, you know, want to improve their fitness game but don't necessarily have access to a gym or the desire to go to the gym, um, but would love to do something at home or just anywhere. So, for anybody listening to this that is interested in that, that's going to be rolling out in the very near future, and we're going to be using James's bands because I got a pair after Brandon recommended, and I've been using them uh, frequently myself, and I've been enjoying them thus far for sure. Well, I mean, look, you and I have the same goal. It's it's just to, you know, help people achieve the fitness goals. And when you can help people eliminate some of those obstacles, which, you know, if you ask people, why don't they work out? Well, time, like we said, is usually one of the biggest obstacles. So making it making fitness more accessible to people, making the lifestyle less intimidating, where, you know, it doesn't seem like this big daunting thing like, wow, I really want to get in shape, but oh man, I'm just, I'm not prepared to do all the things that it takes to get in shape. You know, it, it doesn't have to be a bodybuilding lifestyle. You don't have to sacrifice everything that you're doing in order to have, you know, a good level of health and fitness. 100%. 100%. Well, James, man, I, listen, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk with me. I really, really do appreciate it. Like I said, if there's anything that you ever need from me, let me know and I will Link out to undersunfitness.com in the show notes here so people can find you easily. Um, and yeah, man, keep in touch because you're more than welcome to come here to the compound and train with me anytime. And I'll definitely hit you up if I'm in Florida. Cool, man. Yeah, it was an awesome conversation. You've got to do it again sometime. Absolutely. Take care, brother. <laughs>